welcome to smart cherry's thoughts this is sai from india Thomas. How are you doing? I'm doing great, sir. How are you doing? Doing well, thank you. I apologize about yesterday. I just, I, I, I set it, set it in your calendar, and I forgot to put it in mine, and that's my fault. I apologize. Uh, but finally, we got connected. Thank you very much, uh, Thomas, for giving me opportunity to interview you for my YouTube channel and podcast. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. So I thought to tell about uh, the work that you are doing and the work that you did already to my audience. Sure, sure. So currently, I am a senior technical trainer at Amazon Web Services. So I teach people how to be a cloud engineer, um, and I I have actually been in the IT industry for 27 years now. <laughs> I started out, uh, believe it or not, as a police officer. Uh, my first about eight years in my career i was a police officer and i realized that it was <laughs> it didn't pay well and working at night time was terrible so i uh, i changed over to it and started uh as a novell netware system administrator so that's you know that's almost 30 years ago um, and then i went from there to microsoft and from microsoft uh i then started working with linux and now i'm really more of a linux person than anything i spent about 14 years working for red hat and after that then i wound up coming to aws and that's where i am <laughs> uh, so you're from i'm sorry uh, you're from i'm from austin texas So, uh, before talking uh, uh, more about your work, uh, uh, can you tell me your, about your present job in detail? You are a senior technical trainer at Amazon Web Services. Right, exactly. So what I do is I work with Amazon's uh, AWS's customers, and I teach classes about everything from. Uh, right now, I'm doing the. Um, associate architect, uh, sorry, I should say, certified solution architect associate class. So I, I spent a lot of time doing that. Uh, I'm currently also ramping on, in other words, becoming prepared to teach the security class and uh, also sysops. So those are the things I'm I'm targeting, but I'm not there yet. So that's one thing that I've learned is that. Even though I've been in this industry almost 30 years, it's always learning. It's always like I have the next the next class to master. I have the next technology to master. So that's what I'm doing right now. Is uh, I'm teaching the Certified Solution Architect Associate, and then I'm ramping on other technologies as well. So why you wanted to come into AWS? Well, so I spent. 
like I said, I spent about 14 years working for Red Hat, and I absolutely loved it. Um, the The only reason that I even considered changing careers was just because uh, you see how much growth there is in the cloud. Uh, and I looked at all of the different cloud providers, and I realized that um, AWS is really aligned with what I enjoy doing. Um, they were, you know, obviously the most successful. Um, and so I thought, you know, this is, this is where I want to make my new home. And it took, uh, it took a while, but I got the job and, uh, have really enjoyed it ever since. So, uh, you are into, uh, training, uh, I think from, uh, three years, three months. So how is this experience? It's been fantastic. Um, my my experience was actually interrupted, unfortunately. Uh, I was diagnosed with cancer back in October of 2020, and so I wound up taking about a year off of work to, to fight cancer. Uh, now I'm back at work, so there was a little interruption. <laughs> there was some time that I uh, was not able to work because I was, I was dealing with you know, chemotherapy and, and all of those things. Uh, but it has been fantastic. I have been really impressed at uh, my manager has been super helpful in, especially when I was out sick uh, fighting cancer. He was super, super helpful. My team was very supportive. Uh, you know, it, it wound up being a really I mean, it wasn't a positive experience because having cancer just sucks. But um, but it was a fantastic experience working with my manager and uh, feeling like he was really taking care of me and making sure that I had everything that I needed. So it was it's been really good. Uh, my mother is uh, taking chemotherapy and she's uh, a cancer. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. I hope that uh, the chemotherapy is successful. It's it's a terrible disease. I uh, I I knew how bad it was sort of in my head, but once I had it, it's like, oh my gosh, it's such a challenge. It, it interrupts every part of your life. So how was your life before uh, your uh, physical illness and now? Um, well, you know, honestly, because I was able to take off and get the treatment that I needed for the cancer, um, my my life has not been a whole lot different once I've come back to work. I mean, I still have to be very careful about, you know, especially with COVID and things like that. I have to be very careful about not going out uh, into crowded environments and I wear my mask all the time and things like that. But other than that, um, my life has been fairly similar to what it was before I got sick. Uh, it's inspiring me. Uh, you are being inspiration for a lot of technologies. So, senior technical trainer. So, when it comes to this position, what comes into your mind? Sure. So, the thing that I have found uh, that is really important to be a senior technical trainer is that you really have to learn the technology. Um, you know, I mean, I know that sounds sort of like, well, of course you do, you know, you have, you think about it. But um, one of the things that I found is that because my background has always been more on sort of the system administrator type, like a Linux admin or a Windows admin or, or whatever, 
um, that part was really easy to pick up. But learning new technologies like the the database services or you know data lake services or storage services, um, you have to really dig deep and try to learn as much as you can about technologies, maybe technologies that you're not super familiar with, because I guarantee you <laughs> when you have students, they're going to ask you about, you know, everything, like anything you can imagine. They, they want to understand, you know, the nuts and bolts of how the simple storage service works or how database services work. And so you have to learn as much as you can, even when it's a new technology for you. It's like you have to learn it and you have to 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 do well so that you don't leave your students with unanswered questions, you know? Uh, I did training in uh, AWS, so recently uh, I got trained uh, in AWS. Uh, I learned about the fundamental services of AWS. So the common questions that people like me who, who are into training will ask you like, you know, uh, how this cloud is going to impact this global uh, cloud technology? How is it, it is creating impact and uh, these compute, storage, networking, all these services where we have to use and why we need to use and why companies are shifting into physical to uh, a virtual world. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is almost all of the questions that I answer are, you know, how do I do, um, because in, in almost every case, when somebody comes to AWS, they've already set up servers, they've already installed operating systems, they've worked with, you know, SAN or NAS technologies, they've worked with NFS, they've worked, you know, blah, blah, blah. They've known, they, they, they've dealt with those technologies. So really, what I find we're doing is we're helping them to understand just how to do what they've already done, what they already understood, but how to do it in a in a cloud fashion. And so it's really cool because a lot of times, um, because I came from the same background as many of my students, I'll be like, okay, you remember how you set this technology up? Yes. Okay, well, we're going to do something real similar to that, but maybe we're going to use an object store instead of, a, you know, an NFS target. Or maybe we are going to use an NFS target, but here's, you know, we're going to do a, a, a back end to that as an object store or something like that. So it's not, I mean, certainly there are new technologies that you have to learn, but it's not like, you know, everything that we do in the cloud is totally different from anything you've ever done before. It's not. It's very, very similar in a lot of ways to things that people have done. So it's just teaching them how to make that small jump from physical infrastructure to cloud infrastructure. Uh, and, and I love it. I mean, it's cool because you see them go, oh, I get it. I see what you mean now. So all of a sudden you see the light bulb go off and you're like, yes, exactly. <laughs> So what are the common questions that most of the students ask you? You know, it's uh, it really depends because a lot of times people will come in and 
you know, they're they're like me. Let's say they come from a background where they were a Windows admin or a Linux admin or whatever. So they're going to ask real fundamental questions, just like how do I set up my network? You know, how do I carve up my address space into something that's maintainable? Um, but then you might also have somebody who comes from a really strong storage background. And so all of a sudden to them, like, how do I do the equivalent of a SAN attachment or how do I do object storage or how do I? And, and then you might find somebody else who comes from a really strong database background. And so, you know, now I need to explain to them how they can do, you know, either serverless or, you know, um, if, if they want to do. Uh, you know, databases in an EC2 instance. I and mean, you have to understand sort of all of those those ways to get to where they're going. But I think one of the biggest challenges is that with AWS, there are so many services which are available, which don't require that you install the operating system, the tune the kernel, you know, you install the database, this... Like you can just get an RDS database and it, it you know, you have an IP address or a, a host name that you attach to and you don't have to manage anything. And so for me, it was a big transition. It took me sort of understanding that I don't need to do all of that heavy lifting. I don't need to patch the operating system. I don't need to install, you know, whatever my database of choice is. Like there are solutions that are available that I just spin up, I connect to, and boom, I have my database. So getting over that sort of mental uh, uh, jump from I got to do everything myself to, no, I can actually let AWS manage it. Uh, and when you see people do that, they're like, oh, wow, my life just got a whole lot easier. And so I love that. I love that transition because all of a sudden you see people like, wow, I don't have to, I don't have to jump through those hoops. This is awesome. <laughs> so what makes you think so much as a senior technical trainer? What makes me, I'm sorry? What uh, what makes you think so much as a senior technical trainer? Um, if you're asking like what I think about the the most when I'm teaching, um, in almost all cases, it's trying to again show people, you know, you've done this. You may have done it slightly differently, but you've done this before. You know how to do networking. You do know how to do storage targets. You know how to do uh, databases or you know whatever. Like to me, I think one of the biggest challenges is just teaching folks that uh, it's not a big scary change. It's it's actually a fairly minor change. It's just that you have to sort of understand how to do something in the cloud as opposed to I have a whole bunch of servers in a data center somewhere that I got to rack them and stack them and put in, you know, ethernet cables and things like that. All you're doing is you're taking that same knowledge and you're converting it to the way that, that we would do things in the cloud. And all of a sudden, um, you know, it becomes a lot easier. That's the big goal. And that's the the thing that I think is most important for folks to understand is that the whole goal of cloud is to make life easier. If you're if you're taking the same bad practices that you had in the data center and you're doing them in the cloud, you're going to have the same bad results. 
but if you take advantage of the services that are available you know like like rds or like s3 or you know i, I mean there are a million technologies but um if you take advantage of the offerings that that are available in aws the goal is that your life should be a lot easier not harder So, how to solve problems in cloud? I'm sorry? Uh, how to solve uh, problems in cloud? What ah. kind of thinking uh, helps uh, in solving problems faster and quicker? You bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I think, I think one of the, one of the things that I have to really explain to students is, um, if you're trying to come up with a solution and it seems really, really complicated, then you're probably not taking advantage of all of the offerings that we offer at AWS. Um, like I said, if, if somebody's like, okay, because I used to have to install the operating system. I'd have to patch the operating system. I'd have to tune the kernel. I'd have to lay out the file systems. You know, all of these sort of complicated steps. Um, if they take that same method methodology and do it in the cloud, then you know, again, it's it's they're going to have the same problems that they had before. Whereas if they think in terms of what does AWS have to offer that I can use so that instead of me having to manage a database server, I can just point to an existing database server and let AWS handle it or, you know, a storage target or or whatever. Um, but I think if you focus on trying to keep things as simple as possible, um, that's where you'll get the most benefit out of moving from a data center to the cloud. Uh, making it simple as possible and making it as easy to manage is really the whole goal. You don't want to have the same uh, ideas that you had in the data center in the cloud. Uh, and also you are Amazon Linux solution architect. Yes. Uh, when I first came to AWS, I was a uh, partner solution architect and I worked with, I, I don't even remember how many customers or, or partners, I should say, where we were getting them to certify their application on Amazon Linux so that um, they could run either, uh, you know, a, an Amazon Linux instance or something like that. And so spent a lot of time working with those partners, figuring out you know how they would um, certify their software, uh, what tests they would do, how we would market. You know the fact that they ran their software on Amazon Linux and things like that. It was it was a really really um, fun experience, and I learned a lot about Amazon Linux. <laughs> so you were telling about you as the Amazon Linux solution architect. Right, right. So what I did was I worked with uh, various AWS partners to certify their applications to run on Amazon Linux. And so we did everything from, uh, you know, helping them come up with test cases uh, to making sure that it installed cleanly and it uninstalled cleanly. Uh, we worked with uh, their marketing department. I mean, it was actually super educational because I learned 
the the back end business part of it as well as just the technology like how do I install it and how do I build an RPM and and things like that so it was a it was a super um, educational process and I was um, very proud of the work that I did there uh, to help bring partners on board so that they could run their applications on Amazon Linux. Uh, wonderful. And before this, uh, you worked as a cloud computing technologist and evangelist at Red Hat from 2005 to 2019, 13 years, seven months, a long time. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a long time. When I first started at uh, Red Hat, I was a solution architect. I was uh, just, you know, sales engineer, basically. I would go with a sales rep and uh, we would show them the technology and talk to them about um, how they could use Red Hat Enterprise Linux and other uh, open source technologies uh, in their enterprise. And it was it was interesting because when I first started in 2005, um, open source was accepted to an extent, but there was a lot of skepticism. There were, I, I can't tell you how many times I had conversations with people who were like, ah, I'm not sure I can use this in my enterprise. I'm not sure I, I trust this technology. Well, of course, now in 2022, you know, you look at, at how much open source is used, but it was uh, it was very educational to talk to these big enterprise customers and try to convince them <laughs> that using open source technology made sense in their enterprise. Uh, and so I went from being a sales engineer to being a solutions architect to being the team lead at uh, on the on the solutions architect team in the central U.S. Uh, then I became the chief architect for the region. Uh, and then after I did that, I wound up going to work for the business unit where uh, I started doing evangelism for Red Hat Enterprise Linux. And I got to travel all over the world. I, I think I went to something like 20 different countries, uh, went to conferences and events and things like that. It was a it was an incredible, incredible job. I really enjoyed it a lot. And uh, there are some aspects of that job that I still miss very much. Uh, working with open source was a lot of fun and working with the greater open source communities, you know, going to uh, various either, you know, Linux or other open source conferences and doing presentations and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. I miss it. What do you like most about that role? About being an evangelist? Yes. Oh, man. Um, the cool thing. I think the coolest thing it, it, about being an evangelist is talking to community members and helping them to learn how to use your technology to make them more successful. And I don't just mean in business. In a lot of cases, I would do Linux conferences and I would do um, talks about open source technology that that weren't necessarily like, here's how your enterprise can do this large scale project. In a lot of cases, it was like, let me teach you how to do this one thing and make that part of your skill set so that you can though, you know, you can go be uh, successful with enterprise customers. Um, to me, it was all about 
learning. It was all about teaching folks to be more successful. Uh, and I loved it. I absolutely miss that a lot. I mean, I love, I still do it. I still get to do it with uh, my students at AWS. So I still, you know, I still get that that benefit. Um, but I do kind of miss all of the conferences and all of the, the open source events and things like that. Uh, you might have learned uh, uh, a lot of things in the 13 years, uh, seven months, and which, uh, which are, which you are using those qualities in this present role, senior uh, technical trainer. So can you tell that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the the thing that's made me successful as a technical trainer is that I've spent so many years standing up in front of, you know, IT sysadmins or standing up in front of chief technology officers or standing up in front of community, you know, uh, events and things like that because I've spent so much time presenting publicly now as an instructor you know it's not i mean i i still get nervous don't get me wrong whenever i start a new uh classroom you know it's a new set of people and it's a new set of eyes and things like that but i'm a lot less um i think you know scared of uh presenting in a in a group than i used to be and i think that that's that's where i got that from was being an evangelist what is the difference between present and the uh, this role, evangelism and training? Sure, sure, sure. Now, the customers that I work with uh, at AWS, you know, they have a very specific goal in mind. You know, they want to learn, you know, the the specific technologies that um, that we're going to teach during the class, and it's a it's a long process. It's a three day class where as an evangelist, in a lot of cases, I might only talk about something for an hour. So it was a very short, you know, very compact hour. And I had to I had to deliver the message in such a way that people would learn from it. Uh, they would see the value in it. They would, you know, say, I want to learn that and I want to do that, uh, you know, at, at my work or, or in my community or whatever. So, um, very similar in a lot of ways, but I think a three-day class versus you know one or two hours of presentation, um, it gives you a lot more freedom on the three-day class, and you have to be really laser-focused in the one-hour presentation. I got you. Uh, and uh, before this, uh, you worked as assistant vice president, Linux design and engineering at Bank of America for from 2003 to 2005, one year, eight months. Yeah, so I worked for a, a very large bank here in the United States. Um, and at the time, uh, it was just bringing Linux on board. They had finally sort of come to the conclusion that uh, using Linux as a replacement from proprietary Unix made sense. And so, boy, there were a lot of conversations about, like I said earlier, you know, does it make sense for us to use this this free operating system uh, for production workloads? And we actually did a lot of projects where we were able to bring the cost of computing down 
incredible amounts, you know, huge, huge, huge cost savings uh, for doing everything from database services to email services to storage services. Uh, and we were able to use, you know, just commodity hardware, just, you know, x86 hardware. And um, and so we proved that that we were able to do that successfully. And that uh, that was actually really cool. And and I wound up in that role getting to know people at Red Hat so that as I became more expert and more expert, uh, I finally was able to apply at Red Hat. And that's, you know, that's where I <laughs> worked for almost 14 years. Great. Uh, you as a Linux uh, consultant at the Cameron Technical Services Incorporation. Yeah. So that was that was an incredible experience. I started out uh, a small business, uh, or I, I started a small business here in Texas, in Austin, uh, and we did technical training on Linux. We did consulting with Linux. Uh, we did um, a lot of neat things where uh, I, I worked with a lot of web hosting providers and things like that because they recognized that using Linux uh, instead of a proprietary operating system uh, would save them a lot of money and, and get them a lot, uh, you know, lower cost per transaction. And man, we did everything from. Uh, you know, doing web servers to file and print servers to uh, DNS servers and, and stuff like that. It was it was incredibly fun time. And because I, I was teaching then as well, I was teaching Linux classes out of my out of my company. Uh, it was fantastic to see companies like Compaq. You know, now it's part of HP, but Compaq and IBM and Deja News. Uh, I had one uh, one time one of my customers was the the Internal Revenue Service, which here in the United States, that's our tax agency. <laughs> and I remember I got a call and uh, the the caller said, this is agent such and such with the criminal investigation division of the Internal Revenue Service. And I was like, <laughs> and he says, you offer Linux training? I was like, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> because at first I was like, I know I haven't done anything wrong, but what in the world is this? But uh, but yeah, it was a fascinating experience. Um, I made some incredible relationships with customers that I still am in touch with a lot of them today. You know, I, I keep in touch with folks over the years. And uh, and that was an, an amazing experience. Awesome. And uh, you worked as senior information technology engineering manager at Dell for eight months, 2001, March to October 2001. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was an that was an interesting sort of a, a side <laughs> uh, path that I went on. Um, I went to to Dell to help out with a team uh, that was primarily Windows based. Um, all of the systems engineers that I managed were all Windows based. Um, it wound up not being. I mean, it was it was an interesting job and I enjoyed it. Uh, but it just it wasn't a real um, 
a good fit for me because I was spending so much time learning Linux and I was really trying to help push a lot of the Linux stuff. Uh, and that's why I was only there for about eight months. It was a, it was a good and good organization, but I kind of realized I really want to do more with open source. And so that's why I was only there for a short time. I got you. And uh, you worked as a Unix team manager before this for six months after uh, 2002, March 2001, six months. Yep, yep. That was, oh, that one, that was a heartbreaker. That was a really um, uh, sad experience. I worked for a regional internet service provider uh, that was selling DSL. I don't know if you remember that technology, but um, it was... Uh, uh, the ability to do broadband over, you know, regular copper lines. And uh, it, I thought that it was a really fascinating opportunity. Um, we had a really neat team and we were doing all kinds of very uh, exciting technology around everything from, you know, web hosting to email services to storage services and things like that. Uh, but unfortunately, at that time, there were so many companies that were trying to get into that space that the the company was eventually um, not successful and we wound up shutting down and it just it broke my heart because i had a fantastic team uh, i really enjoyed the 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 folks that i worked with and the folks who worked with me and uh it, but i wound up the 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 company wound up going under uh, you worked as a linux consultant at the team linux corporation from 2000 April to uh, October 2007. Yeah. Yep. So that was uh, that was an interesting experience. The previous position to that was um, a, my first company. I started a company up that did Linux training and consulting. Um, that company wound up being uh, bought by Team Linux Corporation. And so they brought they, they bought my training and consulting services. Uh, I stayed on through the transition to make sure that the um, that the company was successful. And then um, unfortunately, that was also at a time where there were a lot of companies. If you remember in the 2000s, there were a lot of companies that were trying to get into consulting and try to get into training and things like that. Uh, and the company that bought my company wound up failing after they had bought my company. So that was kind of heartbreaking. I spent a lot of time building that that business up. And uh, then the the company that bought it wound up uh, not not being successful. Uh, and also you worked as Linux consultant at uh, 316 uh, Technical Services, where you worked for one year, three months, 1999 to 2000. Yep, that was the first company that I founded. That was uh, I, I hired a couple of my really good friends, and uh, the company um, was very successful. Like I said, we had been doing training, we had been doing Linux consulting, and at that time, you know, Linux really was only uh, starting to become popular. And so that's that was the first place that I started doing Linux training. And so I wrote uh, courseware on how to how to learn Linux. Uh, we did a five day class for students to come in and learn. Uh, and that was a that was a fantastic experience. Uh, 
And boy, you talk about folks who did not understand how open source worked. You know, they were like, what do you mean it's free? How do, how does, how can this be free? How, but you'd explain to them about how free software worked and how they could install it and they didn't have to, uh, you know, buy licenses or anything like that. And so we had a lot of customers who were early adopters using Linux and other open source technologies, and uh, they were very, very successful. It was a lot of fun. You worked as a chief technical officer uh, at uh, firstbuy.com, March 1997 to 1999, two years. <laughs> yes, um, that was an e startup that uh, they engaged me to help design what their infrastructure was going to look like, you know, how, what servers they were going to use, what operating system they were going to use, what the storage was. Um, that was uh, that was a fas- fascinating experience. Um, the company was, was fairly successful, um, while I was there, it was fairly successful. We brought a lot of investors on who, you know, paid in to, uh, to try to help the company grow. Um, it wound up ultimately, cause that was the time that, um, you know, man, you saw all kinds of different e-commerce providers who were trying to come up with, um, you know, their, their spin on selling stuff. Um, I learned a lot about what not to do from a, from a, a an inventory perspective because we were like we were going to find any any inventory that we could find and sell it on the site. And what wound up happening was um, just logistics and shipping and things like that became very very challenging. Uh, and so I learned sort of the the ways to not do <laughs> e-commerce. Uh, and, uh, that, that company wound up going for a couple of years after I left. Uh, but then it also wound up not, not working. Boy, I've got a, my, uh, my experience sounds really bad. There's all these companies that I was involved with that did badly, but you got to remember this is during the crazy, crazy startup days of, of the early two thousands. And, uh, woof, man, it was, it was an incredibly, um, frenetic time there were so many startups that were doing so many different things and everybody was getting all kinds of venture capital money and things like that so it was a it was a crazy time <laughs> and uh, you worked as technical trainer at skill path uh, seminar computer master division for seven months 1998 april to 1998 october yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was actually one of the very early experiences I had with technical training. Um, at the time, that company was doing uh, Windows NT and uh, Novell Netware training. So I would fly all over the country and I would teach these classes for three or four days, I think it was. Uh, and we would set up the PCs and teach the students, you know, how to add users to the network or to, you know, set up network um, design and things like that. Uh, But it was it was a lot of fun. Um, That was one of the first times that I um, got to travel to teach. Prior to that, I had been a technical trainer, but um, I was only in Austin. So that one was really cool. That was, I think, where I first fell in love with the idea of travel for for teaching. 
Uh, and um, uh, so that was, even though that wasn't a really long experience, um, it was a fantastic experience and I learned a lot from it. And I, I actually learned a lot about, um, you know, logistics and travel planning and figuring out um, how expensive airfare would be and just all sorts of things. It was a lot of fun. Before that, you worked as tier three network engineer at GT Customer Networks in June 1997 to March 1998, 10 months. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I was a, a tier three network engineer at a company, a GTE Customer Networks. And basically, what GTE Customer Networks did was um, enterprise customers would outsource their network management to GTECN. Uh, and so I worked there for, I don't know, about a year, I guess, a little less than a year. Uh, and I learned a lot of cool, um, I, I gained a lot of cool knowledge about um, layer three and layer four stuff. So, you know, switches and networks and um, routers and, and stuff like that. I spent a lot of time uh, te uh, learning you know, Cisco gear and stuff like that. And I have to say that that was one of the experiences that really, really forced me to understand, you know, how to subnet and how to set up firewalls and how to set up, you know, access control lists and things like that. So that was a fantastic experience. Uh, and I think uh, that foundation made pretty much the rest of my career, like really solid from a networking perspective. And uh, you worked as network administrator at the Motorola for five months. Right. Yeah, that was a short term contract. Um, that was uh, there was a project to help them upgrade to, believe it or not, that was uh, one of the first times that I really um, helped get Linux um uh, installed at an enterprise location. So, um, you know, we, we learned, we rolled out Linux, we rolled out, gosh, at that time it was NT, Windows NT 351 or maybe 4.0, I don't remember. Uh, but it was a, it was a really cool environment because there were Sun Unix systems, there were Linux systems, and there were Windows systems, and we had to make them all work with each other. So, that to me was super, super fascinating and uh, was one of the things that made me the most interested about Linux in the enterprise. And uh, you worked uh, at uh, Xerox Corporation 1995 to 96 as a network administrator. Yeah, that was, oh man, that was that. That's a long time ago, buddy. That was uh, <laughs> that was a Novell Netware environment. So I was helping them uh, manage their Novell Netware 3.11 or 3.12. So I mean, ancient, ancient technology. Uh, but I uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, that was actually the job where I met my wife. Um, she was a uh, she she was an admin at the company that I was uh, working with, Xerox. And uh, boy, I, I met her the first time and I was like, "Woo, she's really pretty <laughs> and wound up asking her to go out. And uh, crazy kid, she married me. <laughs> But it was a neat experience because at the time, 
Novell Netware was pretty much the industry standard for network operating systems. And I had spent a lot of time working on Novell uh, at my previous employee, uh, or my pre- previous employer, I should say. And so it was really cool because that was the first time that I was exposed to the requirements around enterprise computing. Because, you know, if you have a small business, Whatever you do is only going to affect that one business. But when you have a, a network that is connected to other, you know, offices all over the globe, um, you know, you had to be really, really careful about, you know, what your upgrade schedule is going to look like. Make sure that your servers were running the same versions of the software and things like that. So that was my first big experience uh, working with a big distributed enterprise network. Uh, and that was, man, it was super educational. And I, I learned a lot there. And uh, before this, uh, in So I took the job at Selber, 
and the Novell sysadmin quit. And I mean, he was like, it's Wednesday and I'm gone on Friday. So the boss was like, Thomas, you, you want to do computer stuff, right? And I was like, well, I want to get a degree in computer science, but this is not the same thing. But it wound up that I took over network administration. And as part of that, I went and took technical training. I, I took Nobel training classes, uh, became a certified netware engineer. And that was when I learned that it's not necessarily um, required to go to university to learn how to do system administration. Um, I actually just took Novell classes and then that made me, you know, take Microsoft classes. And then I learned to take Red Hat classes and so on. And so one of the things that I learned was that the skills can be learned uh, whether you go the traditional academic path with a university uh, background or if you did technical training from vendors. Uh, and those those came together, the, those technical training classes came together to give me a background that has been very, very um, successful in as much as um, I, I never did go back to college. I, I had planned on going back, but then I became a system administrator and then I became a technical training, a technical trainer and things like that. And I kept thinking, ah, I'll go back to school. I'll go back to school. I'll go back to school. But every time I took more technical training classes, uh, I became higher paid. I was more successful and things like that. And here I am, you know, 30 years later, and I never did go back to school. Uh, and I'm, I'm still pretty successful, I think. <laughs> Great. And, uh, how is now? Uh, you are into, I can see you are into consulting, uh, you are into training, you are into evangelism, you are into uh, communicating with computer, so all completely, and you are into uh, police department. So all are completely different from other, and also the companies that you work Red Hat, Amazon, Services, Microsoft, and all other companies are completely different from each other. So how you are able to shift yourself from one to other, and one job like you said that needs travel more. So how how that well, I think that um, I think if you just do the same thing for for a very long time, I think that you get stuck. I think that you um, you don't learn new things. And so one of the things that I have really pushed myself to do is learn new technologies um, do things that I'm not comfortable with, you know, like getting in front of a, you know, a room full of people, um, you know, learning new technologies, you know, at my current employer, I learned new technologies at my previous employer. Um, but I, I think that without change, um, that you get stuck. And if you, if you don't force yourself to try new things and learn new technologies and recognize, and this is a big one, I think you have to recognize what the trends are in the industry. Um, I mean, 
don't get me wrong. It's not like, oh, cloud is this new thing that no one understands. You know, I, I recognize that for a very long time, Linux was the the most or, or, or the fastest growing segment of IT. So I worked with Linux. Then I recognized that cloud was the fastest growing segment of IT. So now I'm working with cloud. And I think that that's something that's really important is that people need to watch what is is the most popular, like what the most um, the fastest trending technologies, but not not like whatever the coolest thing today is. You need to look at trends over time, see what technologies are the most popular, and then learn those technologies and be willing to change roles so that you know you can continue to be successful. I have met a lot of people who they learned a new technology and they stayed there. And now they're stuck there where the rest of the industry has actually evolved but they're still stuck doing you know the old technology that you know was really cool a long time ago but but now it's not so one of the things that i've really forced myself to do is pay attention to what the newest technology is not the trendy but you know what is actually establishing itself well uh and that's i think uh what has allowed me to stay relevant technically 27 plus years of uh, technology, information technology experience. How does this experience help you in your personal life? Well, I think that <laughs> I think that one of the weird things about having as many years in the industry as I have is that um, for a long time I always felt like. You know, man, I know everything there is about this technology, whether it's Linux or open source or whatever. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that, um, man, there's so much more to learn. And there is so much that I don't know if I'll ever have the time to learn because there are so many different technologies that make up cloud computing and open source and, you know, all of those things. Um, but I, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned having been in this industry for 27 plus years is that um, you're always going to have to work hard. You're always going to have to learn new technologies. You're always going to have to be open to new experiences. I think you have to uh, take chances, take risks, um, and when you do that and you stay relevant, that allows you to stay sort of on the forefront of technology. Um, it's uncomfortable, you know, because you're, you're learning new things and it's, you know, it's so tempting to say, I've learned this thing. I'm going to stay with this thing. I'm not going to change. Uh, but the problem is that, um, you will be left behind eventually. So, um, I, I love what I do. I love the technology. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever going to learn everything that I need to because there's so much to learn. Uh, but, but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy this industry and, uh, I hope to have several more years before I retire. <laughs> uh, you are being the uh, witness for the evolution of the technology. 
So what do you understand about the connectivity between human and technology? I, I couldn't hear you. Can you say that again? You are being the witness for the revolution of the technology. Ah. So what is the connection between human and technology? Well, that's a that is a fascinating question because there are technologies that we interface every day, you know, we, cell phones and things like that, like the ability to look up anything and and do a quick search on the Internet or, or whatever. Um, but I think beyond that, when you talk about the interactions between technology and humans, you see so much going on with machine learning and artificial intelligence um, and you see so much work being done on figuring out analytics to figure out sort of how to react to what humans are doing to give them smarter answers. Uh, and so I think that what we are seeing with machine learning and artificial intelligence is just it, it's it's game changing in that there I think we're going to come to a day if we're not already there, we may already be there, but uh, are you familiar with the, the Turing test, which is where an artificial intelligence, you know, can convince a human that it's an, another human. Um, I think we're getting real close to that sort of interaction where you may talk to your cell phone and you may get answers back from your cell phone as if you were talking to another human, but it's actually AI in the cloud. Uh, and so things like, you know, automatic or auto driving cars, uh, the ability to make decisions about, you know, what those obstacles in the road are and how to navigate around them or how to stop or how to make sure that, you know, because those are are truly um dangerous technologies you know if you're if you have a, a self-driving car and you make a mistake in your code somebody could die but we're actually having those things happen every day all the time and uh and and so i, I think we're going to continue to see that change or that uh, that evolution of artificial intelligence so that um, we have reactive systems that are going to give good answers uh, to humans, whether it is navigating through a street or answering questions for a search or something like that. Um, I, th I think it's a it's an incredible time to be in technology and the the changes that are happening are happening so fast. It is incredible seeing how quickly um, a lot of these uh, these robotics are running. Uh, are we going to put uh, uh, data centers in the in the other parts of the universe and in space, other parts, other, other planets? <laughs> oh man, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. I mean, if you think about what we're doing. Um, just look at the International Space Station. Um, there are rack mount servers there that are running, they're running Linux, um, but they've got systems that are doing decision making about, you know, the atmosphere and waste management and power management and things like that. Um, and I mean, 
we have computing capabilities on board the International Space Station that were science fiction 20 years ago. You know, so will we have additional uh, compute capabilities as we go off world? I hope so. <laughs> I certainly think so, because it's a lot more uh, it's a lot easier to have your compute close to what it is you're managing. So, yeah, I see us as pushing technology across the the, <laughs> the solar system and eventually across the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> So, as a technologist, uh, what do you say? Uh, are we going to uh, send data in light speed? <laughs> I don't know, man. When you when you get to when you get to the distances that are involved in interstellar travel, um, there have been a lot of really cool um, technologies that have been talked about, things like solar light sails, uh, the ability to fire a laser at solar light sails and shoot them, you know, half or more of the, uh, the speed of light uh, to get to other star systems, you know, maybe within our lifetime. Um, I, I hope that we see that. I absolutely hope that we see that. I would love to send probes to, you know, Sirius or one of these other uh, close, close in um, star systems. But I don't know if I'm going to live long enough because that's a long, long way to send probes. And uh, I think that, um, you know, I, I hope my kids will he will see the results of that. But I don't know if I will. <laughs> This 27 of uh, experience, 27 years of experience, uh, uh, you understood about computer networks and uh, the connectivity between networks, computers, servers, everything, the information transfer, data centers, everything. And also, other side, uh, you understood about uh, human networks, human beings, and con connecting, how to connect, because uh, you worked as evangelist, consultant, trainer. So, what do you understand about human networks and computer networks? In, I mean, in terms of communication and information transport. Sure, sure. So, I, I mean, I think one of the things that I think is um, fascinating and also um, sort of there's almost a, an unintended consequence of, you know, we are spending so much time. On the computer science side, we're spending so much time trying to get AIs that are smarter and, and do machine learning to come up with better answers and things like that. I think in a lot of cases, the, the driving technology or the driving reason behind the technology is stuff that, that you and I may not think about, but it, it's stuff like, I want to do a better search. You know, like I need better, um, better ways of getting information to me without having to do a whole bunch of searches and narrow down and narrow down and narrow down. Um, and so I think that what's happening is what we think of as pretty simple or mundane tasks, like looking up a recipe or something like that. Um, but the the engineering behind that, the engineering behind searches and extracting valuable information from this ocean of knowledge that we have, this ocean of data that we have, um, I think that 
that what you're going to see is more and more little changes, little um, improvements on simple stuff like doing searches and, and stuff like that to where eventually what will happen is, you know, like when I when I use my smart home, you know, when I when I say that I want to turn on a light or I want to um, set up a routine so that when I walk into a room, my lights come on automatically and they turn off automatically when I walk off um, those little bitty changes, those little bitty smart um, technologies, I think that what will happen is over time, we will become more and more used to it. It'll become more common. There will be things that you don't even think about anymore because you're just going to be taking them for granted. You know, well, of course my lights are going to walk in, you know, are going to come on when I walk into a room. Um, I think that, that what'll happen is the barrier between between humans and computers will become a lot more natural so that, you know, when I walk into a room and I, and I say something to my smart device, um, it'll just be very conversational. Um, it won't me, it won't be me having to figure out the, the right way to phrase something to make my smart device do whatever it is I'm asking it to do. Um, but I think that what'll happen is it will be, much more natural, much more um, uh, like like it's not going to be an important thing. You're just going to walk in and say, hey, smart home, do blah, blah, blah. And it's going to going to happen. We're not even going to think about it anymore. And I, I kind of look forward to that. <laughs> so as a, as a technical trainer in AWS, uh, you will be telling uh, to the people uh, about the global infrastructure of AWS. So what you personally don't understand about cloud computing? Oof, man, there are a lot of things that that I don't have as much knowledge as I would like to have. Um, you know, um, I, I understand a lot of the things around, you know, virtualized computing instances. I understand the storage. I understand the networking. But then when you get into, you know, really advanced configurations like data lakes and um, doing machine learning and stuff like that, like those are not my area of expertise. Um, I, I understand them conceptually, like I understand how things work, you know, to explain it. But like I'm not a data scientist and I never will be a data scientist. Um, and so there are a lot of technologies that I just don't know if I, I don't know if I'm going to be in the industry long enough to to become an expert at them. Um, but uh, I, I think one of the other things that you have to recognize is that nobody today, nobody is going to be an expert on all things on cloud computing. You know, I mean, I, I think at AWS we have 200 and something products. There's no way I'm going to know 200 different products, you know. So, so I think that um, I think that having a broad overview, a broad uh, understanding of the technologies, and then recognizing when I need to bring in an expert and talk, you know, at depth about a specific technology is is sort of the best that I can hope for today. 
So where the technology is going, where we are right now. Ooh, wow. Um, so again, I think I think that the biggest changes that we're going to see in the short term are more around, again, artificial intelligence and machine learning. I think that figuring out things like, um, you know, what we do at AWS is in a lot of cases, we'll do analytics of services um, and I mean, our customers will do analytics of services to see, you know, where applications are running slowly when you have a big distributed application, right? You may have Lambda functions, you may have S3 calls, you may have uh, EC2 instances that are connecting, you might do uh, message queuing. You know, there are all of these different components that make up applications. But I think that as we apply machine learning to see as a decision gets made through the applications, like how we can make those faster, how we can make them uh, easier for humans to interact with, I think that that's where you're gonna see a lot of the changes in the short term uh, around machine learning and and making systems run better, if that makes sense. Yeah, so what are those qualities that made you to understand different things and different technologies? What worked for you in this transaction? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good question. So for me, I spend a lot of time um, working with whatever the technology, like if there's a new technology, for instance, um, just recently, I really had to understand, you know, how we do databases. And there are a bunch of different databases that are available at AWS. I'm not a big database admin. That's not that's not my background. And so I did a lot of self-study. I would spin up database instances and figure out, you know, how to connect to them and how to replicate them, how to do, um, you know, multi-AZ failovers versus setting up a read replica for, you know, faster throughput for reads. Um, but, but for me, it's all about like, I got to put my hands on something. I got to try it. I got to test it. Um, I'll, I'm going to break it. I guarantee you I'm going to break it. <laughs> um, but I would, I, I would study and then I would spend a lot of time reading the documentation. Um, believe it or not, man, I would spend a lot of time just looking at, you know, YouTube videos like, oh, okay, that's how this person did it. Let me try that. And then, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, so, so it's, um, to me, it's all about putting my hands on the technology, pushing it, figuring out what makes sense, what's going to break it and then, and then go from there. What is your observation about metaverse? About what? Metaverse. The, the metaverse. Oh, the metaverse. Oh, wow. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, I'm not. I'm not an expert in the metaverse. I certainly understand the whole idea of you know having avatars and doing an augmented or a virtual virtual reality. Um, I think that there is a lot of potential there. Um, I don't know that I'm probably qualified to speak on it because there are so many aspects of it that I'm just not real familiar with. Uh, but man, it would be really cool to be able to 
attend a virtual meeting in you know in the metaverse where you know i have that augmented reality to where it looks like the person that i'm interfacing with is right next to me i think there's a huge amount of potential there so i, I would like to see it succeed so one last observation i want to understanding computer understanding human being which one for you oh boy I understand computers pretty well. Um, I've been working with computers for a long time. I think <laughs> I have an understanding of how humans, you know, want their lives. Um, I, I think that the intersection, though, the intersection between computer science and psychology um, is an incredibly complicated body of knowledge because there are so many times when I, as a computer person, will think like, oh, I need to design you know, my software to run in this specific fashion. But then I'll have a human come and check what it is I'm doing. And they're like, no, that's not intuitive or that doesn't make sense to me. It's not easy. So I think that that intersection between what humans desire and what computers can do is, again, I, I think that's driving what we're doing around AI and ML so that um, we're making those interfaces, those human interfaces to computers a lot more natural and a lot easier to navigate. The, you know, because I don't know if you remember um, when search engines yahoo or google or you know any of the 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 search engines when they first started out do you remember that we had to use very specific language like if i wanted to look something up i would have to figure out exactly what the the search term was going to be and i may or may not get a good response back well today I can throw any text in there and I'm going to find pretty good responses. My search, uh, you know, my search terms are going to come back. And a lot of that is that AI and ML to learn what people really mean when they type in a text string. Uh, and so, so I think that again, it's a, it's a confluence of understanding how we do Hmm. How how we answer a human in a way that the human is going to get value from the answer. Um, I, and it's again, every time I talk to data scientists, every time I talk to folks who do data analytics and figure out how to extract value from the incredible amount of data that we have stored, uh, it is it is amazing. And I think that there needs to be both psychological input and and computer science and mathematical science input. Uh, technology is uh, human creation. So technology uh, is going to be alternate for human beings. Say that again. Uh, technology is uh, human creation. So technology is going to be the alternative for the human. I mean, yeah, it's going yeah, to I automate mean, everything in the world. Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly 
think that we would all love to not have to think about things like um, just just things that you're doing every day. Um, you know, do I want to think about managing my temperature controls? Do I want to think about, um, you know, getting meaningful data from, you know, uh, from from data that I've gathered uh, in my business or things like that? I think in a lot of cases, what we really want is we want automated systems to manage the mundane stuff, the things that that are not, you know, not glamorous. They're not exciting. Um, it's just, you know, I want to be able to dump a whole lot of data, whether it's my customer relationship data or it is my scientific data of my equipment, my, you know, my computers. Um, I want to be able to dump stuff into a data lake or something like that and be able to extract knowledge from that data because data doesn't teach me anything. Data is something that I can extract knowledge from. And so I think that, um, yes, absolutely, over time, we're going to see more and more and more work done to extract that valuable knowledge from the, the sea of data that we have. But it's gonna be across the board. It's going to be, like I said, I don't want to have to think about you know, what my thermostat looks like. I don't want to have to think about, you know, day-to-day -day operations like, you know, when I get gas or something like that. I think that um, we're going to see more and more automation of just simple stuff like, you know, our, our, our daily lives to free up time for us to really gather valuable information at work with our family and things like that. So what do you say, at last, as a, a senior technical trainer, what do you say to the people, uh, uh, the, the technologists who are into different levels, who are watching this, uh, who are listening to you, uh, this conversation from anywhere on this planet, what do you say to them? Always learn. Always, always learn. Um, if you are sitting still, then the industry is passing you by. If you're not constantly exposing yourself to new technologies and you're not constantly thinking about um, the direction that technology is going, uh, I think you're doing yourself a great disservice. And I think that um, that will be uh, negative. Uh, that, that'll be a negative impact on your career. Um, you always have to test yourself. You always have to push yourself. You always have to um, embrace new technologies. Uh, and if you do that, then, you know, hopefully you will have a long and successful career and uh, and you'll always be um, working with the, the coolest, most relevant technologies. So your observation about my questioning in this conversation um, I, I love, um, I love the questions that you're asking because I can tell you're much younger than I am. And so it's really neat to think about, you know, what somebody in your age group would think about as far as, you know, how, um, how to manage their career over time and, you know, how to, uh, to be successful because, um, man, I wish that I could go back to my younger self 
and say, you know, oh, don't do this, <laughs> do this other thing instead. Um, but uh, but so so I love hearing your questions because it's it's cool to think about you know maybe people who are new to technology they're new in the industry um it, and i would just constantly constantly tell them you have to keep um trying new things even if you don't like them you know like i i took some classes on on programming i'm a terrible programmer i'm a terrible programmer um but i had to take the classes to see if that made sense for me it turns out i'm much better in system administration and networking and things like that but um because i took those classes now when i talk to a developer at least i can have intelligent conversations i'm never going to be a developer but i can talk to a developer and go i think i understand what you're saying you know and here's what my experience has been you know on this on the the operating system or the application level maybe that can help your code be better or something like that um so so you know always again always be learning always learn new stuff and uh and it's you're never going to learn it all <laughs> there's always going to be stuff that you don't know but it's it's a it's a good problem to have so your uh, observation about my videos, have you seen any videos of mine on YouTube? I just watched a, a little bit of one when I first met you. Um, I just watched a little bit of, of actually a couple of them and uh, they're neat. I mean, they're neat videos. I love that you talk to everyone from, you know, fairly senior folks to more sales folks to more technical. So I love that you have as many um, people in your in your uh, webcast as you have. I think it's fascinating. So uh, I did a master's in software engineering and a bachelor's in computer science and engineering. So how uh, these interviews are talking uh, with experts like you who are already in the industry for a long time to solve the problems, being in different roles, uh, handling different projects, and uh, uh, looking at things in different ways, collecting all this data, collecting all this information, putting it in, in my head, and how this is going to be helpful for me uh, if I work in IT in coming days, putting all this information. Well, I mean, I've only seen, like I said, I've only seen a couple of your videos. I, I, I didn't get a chance to really dig through them, but I would hope that as people watch your videos, um, they will get a better understanding about what part of the industry they belong in. You know, like I said, for me, I've always been a system administrator. I've always been, you know, from Novell to Microsoft to Red Hat to whatever. I've always worked more with network operating systems. There are other people, though, who can listen to the videos that you've got on your channel. And I think that they will, you know, learn, well, maybe it makes more sense for me to be a business analyst or a software developer or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and so I love that you have such diversity in your guests, uh, and it helps people to, uh, learn, you know, what the different industry, uh, roles are. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, 
I think one of the things that I really like about your your uh, webcast is that you bring in some folks from, you know, executive management positions and then you bring in folks from a sales position and bring in folks from, you know, technical drainer to, you know, all, all sorts of different roles. And I think that that's very valuable to your audience in that they can see what people have uh, have experienced and how they've gotten to where they've gotten to, whether it's executive management or evangelism or whatever. Um, and so I think that that's, that's very valuable. And I think that um, that's, it's a good thing for people to be able to watch those and think of, you know, yes, I want my career to go that way, or, ooh, maybe I don't want my career to go that way. I want to go, you know, this other way. So I, I think that's, uh, I think that's a great use of your webcast. I like it. Your words uh, means a lot to me, uh, Thomas. So thank you very much for your valuable time and uh, spending your valuable experience uh, with my audience uh, and also giving answers to my questions. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Can I put this video on my YouTube channel with your permission? Absolutely, of course. And also, can I put this audio and video clip on my podcast, website, internet, social media, everywhere with your permission? Yes, of course. Yes. So do you want me to share any web links of yours with my audience? Um, probably, probably my Twitter feed. I think I've, I think you, well, you've, you've chatted with me over Twitter. So yeah, I mean, if you wanted to share my, my Twitter, uh, account, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I'll put in the description. People who find the video on YouTube can see and can connect with it and learn from you. Okay. Very good. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thomas. Keep inspiring. All right. We'll talk to you later.